Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, April 11th starts now. You want the inside scoop on the Chicago City Council? We've got the man for it. Dave Glowatz from shygov.com is here. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. And find more from Ben Jarofsky at ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this The Convention Comes to Chicago Tuesday, and here's why. That sounds as jubilation and celebration you hear in the background is corporate Chicago jumping for joy with the word today that the Democrats will be bringing their national convention to Chicago in the summer of 2024. They're jumping for joy at Crane Chicago Business. They're jumping for joy at the editorial board of the Chicago Tribune. Corporate magnets everywhere are racing down State Street, doing cartwheels. Wee, wee, we're going to get rich making money. <laughs> All those Democratic delegates will be in town. They'll be filling up hotel rooms, taking Uber and Lyft cab drives all over the place, eating at restaurants, buying reefer. Man, everybody's going to be making money, except for me, of course. They're all happy. And uh, as they break down the whys of how Chicago got the deal, part of it is J.B. Pritzker, Governor Pritzker, putting up some of the money uh, to promote Chicago. So they're, I hope they celebrate J.B. Pritzker. They sure enough fought hard against him uh, last time around. Uh, but as they break down the whys of how Chicago got this thing, it, as I understand it, the, the competition was between Chicago, Atlanta, and uh, Houston, Texas. And uh, Houston, Texas, home of Archie Bell and the Drells. I, absolutely, I know absolutely no one out there knows who they are. I don't care. Uh, Houston was bounced because they're from Texas, an ultra MAGA state. You can't have a Democratic convention in a MAGA state, <laughs> which would pro- they probably be sending police in. To like expel the delegates. You know how they expel the two reps down in Tennessee? They would probably start expelling. Governor Abbott would be expelling delegates. So you can't really risk Texas. Atlanta's out because uh, essentially there's no unions or no union uh, hotels with unions. It's not really a union friendly state. And so Chicago got it. Chicago is a union-friendly state. All the hotels are union, or most of the hotels are union. There's enough union hotels you could stay at, all right? Uh, Not only that, they stitched together this theme where it's going to be the Midwest united in Chicago. So Wisconsin, 
uh, which is a key swing state and Michigan, which is another key swing state, uh, will have like sort of a like a theme participation with Chicago. So very important, Chicago. Uh, and it's just really curious uh, because with all the joys and jubilation from corporate Chicago and editorial Chicago and just the powers that be in the city of Chicago, they're kind of like forgetting that it was a week ago. They were uh, backing a certain MAGA sympathizer, mayoral candidate, whose name I can't remember, so I won't mention it. <laughs> My distinguished guest, Dave Glowatz, knows the name. Oh, he's like, oh, Ben, I know the name. Oh, calm down. Okay, I know you know the name. I think his first name was like one of the Beatles, and it's not Ringo. Okay, and his last name rhymes with a city in Texas, and it's not Houston. I do this because Chicagoans are going through one of those amnesia periods regarding that. A little embarrassed. I think the city of Chicago is kind of waking up with a hangover. All those people who voted for the other candidate that I can't remember, they're kind of embarrassed by it. Because, like, that was a MAGA sympathizer, ladies and gentlemen. And all the people he was playing footsie with for the last three years, they're on the other side. You know what I mean? They're like the anti what got us the convention side. And so everybody's like ashamed of it. I just wrote this for uh, the reader in a column that I, in, in, a, in a year, I don't think you'll find any lakefront liberal who will confess that he or she voted for Paul Vallis. There, I remembered his name. That'd be something else. You know, the amnesia is starting to kick in. Uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Uh, did I vote? I think I may have missed that election. They start off by, like, when they started to change their story by saying they didn't vote in the election. And then you watch in a year, they'll have all voted for Brandon Johnson. Just same thing, same thing happened in 83, by the way, when Harold Washington barely beat Bernie Epton. Within three years, I couldn't find any Northsiders who admitted they voted for Bernie Epton, even though Bernie Epton won more, well more than uh, 50% of the Northside vote, probably closer to 70%. The Gold Coast, uh, I think uh, Paul Vallis got, well, I think he got 60%, something like that. Lincoln Park went for Paul Vallis. Like, heck of a job, Lincoln Park. Now, no, now, now they all love teachers. Like, oh, Brandon Johnson's a good guy. I just want to remind you folks that the person that you almost voted for had vowed to destroy the Chicago Teachers Union. Chicago got the convention because we're a union-friendly town, but you were all set to vote for the guy who wanted to destroy the teachers' union. Just pointing that out. And you were all set to vote for the guy who was in bed with all those MAGA types. Remember D Arnie Duncan? Boy, uh, I think he wants to take this column to the shredder. It was about oh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. He wrote a column in the Tribune. Uh, in which he said that he was going to be voting for uh, Paul Vallis because he thought Paul Vallis could bring peace with the police department. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's going to get to the convention, Arnie Duncan. Anyway, I think that sound you hear in the background is Arnie Duncan uh, running around uh, to all the libraries in Chicago, taking out their old copies of the Tribune. But it's electronic, Arnie. You can't get rid of it. Anyway, that's a Chicago hangover. Uh, the amnesia is about to kick in. Uh, and within a year, even Arnie Duncan will be telling people he voted for Brandon Johnson. 
I'm sure David Axelrod will be saying, oh, I voted for Brandon. I thought he was very articulate. Anyway, congratulations, Chicago. Brandon Johnson will be in the spotlight as the mayor in the summer of 2024. Uh, thanks to the 52% or so of Chicagoans who had a little sense last Tuesday and don't have to be ashamed of who they voted for. All right, without further ado, I want to bring on my uh, distinguished guest, Dave Glowatz. He was so kind and so generous from inside Chicago government. He did a special, a special Chicago City Council rundown because it was his special City Council meeting last week. Dave, take it away. Tell us all about it. First, I want to uh, throw a little thought exercise at you. If Brandon Johnson say he wanted to hire Paul Vallis in some position <laughs> in the administration, what what position do you think that should be? Uh, well, he could uh, follow up on um, transit. He could follow up on Arnie Duncan's suggestion. Uh, and have him be like the uh, cop whisperer. Remember that movie, The Horse Whisperer, where um, uh -huh. Robert Redford was the cowboy who could whisper to horses? Yeah, but what department would that be in? It would just be a special consultant to the mayor. In the mayor's just office. A whisper to the police officers. Hey, this is not a bad idea. Well, you know, there are a lot of staff positions reportedly in the mayor's office now, more than there have been in a long time. So, you know, Johnson's got a lot of... A lot of uh, potentially lots of uh, vacancies to fill, presuming that well, most of those are exempt positions. Uh, yes, I believe most of the uh, they are Shackman exempt positions. So he gave, if he wanted it to um, select Paul Vallis, uh, which I can't imagine happening, but anything is possible uh, in Chicago. He would have no shortages of vacancies to fill with him. But so I special that consultant on police affairs. Special consultant holding John Catanzara's hand. That will be uh, Paul Vallis's job. And I or think he'd hold, be pretty good. At or job. holding some part of John Catanzara. Yeah. Or he could be the special liaison to Arnie Duncan. That could be an important <laughs> job. He could whisper in Arnie's ear. Thanks, Arnie. Thanks. <laughs> uh, All right. That was a fun thought. Don't, don't, please don't put him. Just one last thing. Brandon, whatever you do, do not put him anywhere near a budget. I actually you don't want covered. him as budget director. <laughs> no, don't. This is the man who invented the TIF program. Please, Brandon, just keep him away from budgets, okay? You, you can make him the special consultant to Arnie Duncan. There you go. That is a great job. One of his school superintendents. That's what? <laughs> no. Keep him away from schools. Keep him away from history classes. Keep him away from <laughs> Guy loves high stake testing. He could, I'll tell you what, here's a job for Paul Vallis. He could be the guy in charge of grading the um, the the tests, the standardized tests that students have to take. Okay. Well, is it A or is it B? It looks like A here. That'd be a good job for him. He loves high stakes testing, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's, let's leave that. Well, let's exercise. Move on. Uh, there was, it was a good one. <laughs> well, as you mentioned earlier, Ben, the full Chicago City Council had a special meeting on March 30, 2023. A group of aldermen called the meeting to approve two measures. The first, known as record R2023-502, adopts new City Council rules of order and procedure, which expanded the number of committees from 19 to, Ben, what's the number? 28. Correct, Senator. Wow. 
For real? <laughs> That's not, that wasn't hard. It, it, They're going to get harder. Don't worry. <laughs> wait, time out. I, I didn't have anything in front of me. It could have been 27, okay? And I just went with 28. Right, well, there's more props to you, man. They're, they will get harder, though. The second measure they wanted to approve his record, R2023-503, named the chair for each committee. The latter was done for the first time in anyone's memory, reportedly without input from the mayor. Ben, do you believe that? No. Okay. We'll see what goes. Chris, <laughs> please, we'll do negative first. Alderman <laughs> spoke passionately for and against the new rules, primarily about the new committee scheme. We'll first listen to some of the council members who, members who spoke against the scheme. This piece starts with Ninth Ward Alderman Anthony Beal. Let's listen. I am embarrassed to be a Chicagoan today. I've never seen a process to create 28 committees to buy votes such as today. You all should be embarrassed to call yourselves elected officials to try to ram this through when for four years I've been fighting for independence in this body and you all have blocked every step of the way. I've tried to have our own budget analysis. I've tried to have our own parliamentarian. I tried to have our own legal department. Nope, we can't do it. But it's okay to create 10 more committees to buy people. This is not transparency. This is a corrupt process ran by the same corrupt people who ran the remap process. I'm the only one that finally worked with Alderman Riley to bring a resolution together. We got to where we wanted to be, but we still can't bring it to the floor. Anytime the number two seniority person is totally shut out in this city is a problem. And then you give somebody who's been here for three months a committee. Really? Somebody who just got here still don't know where the bathroom is as a chairman. <laughs> I don't understand how some of y'all sleep at night. Alderman Moore. Uh, From the start when I got in this council, I believe that this council should have been organized itself. But everybody who, whether from previous mayors to previous mayors, as long as they were getting theirs, they were okay. And so now we get to the point where we can organize ourselves. Me and my caucus stood up for that, pushed it, but wanted to push it in a democratic way where everybody, especially the ones who are going to be elected sitting here, get a vote to say, hey, you know what? This is who I want my chair to be. And we take a vote on it. Where you land at, you land. Is it that important? Because you don't do work in your ward that you got to have a committee to make yourself look good? Is it that serious that you trample over democracy? If the people in this city saw how this was done, they'd be protesting all down here right now. If you're willing to show how this process was, open it up to the public. Anything I say, do in private or anything like that, I can do it and say it in public. The people who put this stuff together cannot because it was about self-interest. And what makes my stomach hurt more than anything is people who want to call themselves progressive. It's progressive when you on your end and, and fight, but when you get your crap, it ain't no more aggressive anymore. Yeah, I could have had a committee. Yeah, here, take yours, David. We'll buy off. You can't buy me. I ain't got a price. I ain't no prostitute. Solomon Hawkins. I know many of you are moving on to other things. You're not done serving the public, uh, even though you're done carrying the title of alderman and working in this chamber and the history here. But think back to when you were first elected. Think back to some of the first consequential votes that you took as a rookie alderman and think 
how you would feel if someone did to you then what we're about to do now to the eight new incoming members whom we don't know yet, who have yet to be chosen by the voters. You know it's not the right thing to do. The question that I have today is not why are we doing this? It's why are we doing this today? Has anyone asked that question? Why are we doing this today, five days before an election? Everything we're doing right now, we could do seven days from now, and it would change the entire context of this. Why are we denying incoming aldermen who will be selected by the voters of Chicago on April 4th the opportunity to determine their leadership team and to determine the rules under which they will operate for the next four years? We did some research. Our friends at the Newberry Library helped us. Do you know the last time the Chicago City Council had a special council meeting five days before an election to determine the committee chairs, the leadership structure and the rules for the following term? Never, ladies and gentlemen, it has never happened in the city's history. This is unprecedented and unfair. Alderman Bizzotto. I couldn't sleep the last two nights about this. I'm one of the 28 people. I'm probably the only one of the 28 that's going to speak out against this. But my integrity is too important to me. First of all, 28 committees is way too many. We have three committees that probably met five times in the last four years. Now we're going to add another 10. I'm just baffled by this. Can't support this. I do support discussion. I could support it, you know, next Thursday. I could support it May 16th. You know, we have three people that we're giving committees to over here that are in runoffs. We don't even know if they're going to be here or not. How ridiculous is that? I was an organizer. I still am. And I love that job because at least the people that you work with ain't fake and phony and won't smile in your face and then go make a deal behind your back. Why couldn't we wait five days? We've been begging to be independent since I got here and it ain't happened. And so it's it's funny to me that now we're changing administration and people have grew some balls. <laughs> what was y'all at when we was trying to vote for things to make sure that we could help these 60,000 homeless people that live in our ward? What was y'all at when we was voting on marijuana to make sure that the people who are actually impacted and put in jail because of it we made sure we take care of them. We didn't do that. And so now all of a sudden there's this urgency for us to be independent. Yeah, we can do it in seven days. This is wrong on every level for us not to respect the people that are running. How many of y'all been in a runoff? I have my first term and it's hard. It's not easy. But to go another month and a half and be in a race and then come back and told this is what the deal is, is not fair to our new co-worker. The thought that Anthony Beale is the second member who's been here the longest and he was excluded says what we think about our co-workers and what we think about seniority and it's wrong. And I'm going to be honest because some of y'all won't. Some of those folks who were sitting in these committee, I don't trust as far as I can see them. Because you ain't did nothing all these four years I've been here to show me that I trust you. I got co-workers that I never even speak to or never speak to me. But now we're going to be independent. <laughs> Anthony Bill is absolutely right. He has asked for us to have some independence from the very beginning. And I don't know how long he was asking for it before I got here. But literally all these last four years, he's asked for us to have it. Nobody said a word. Wasn't a peep up in here. It got voted down every time because I guess it was about who the messenger was and not the actual message. So what's there to unpack, Ben? Where would oh. you like to start? Wow. Well, I could take it step by step. I'll, uh, do you have something to say before I start riffing? No, go ahead. All right. Well, to answer uh, Alderman Jeanette Taylor's question, and it's a good question. Uh, I don't know how long uh, Anthony Beal has been here before he got independent. 
So I'll let you know. <laughs> Anthony Beal was elected in 1999. Let me do the math. That means he's been in the Chicago City Council for 23 years. That meant he was a loyal rubber stamper to Mayor Daley and Mayor Rahm for 20 years. Every stupid idea that either one of those mayors proposed, and they proposed a whole bunch of stupid ideas. And I'll just start with the parking meter sale because that's the one that sort of pierced the brains of Chicagoans. They may not know anything about Chicago government. They may be utterly, totally clueless Chicagoans, but they know about the parking meter deal. And so Anthony Beale was a rubber stamp for that one. And uh, so I don't know. It started off with Anthony Beale going, uh, I'm embarrassed to be a Chicagoan today. <laughs> I don't know why this is what I need to know why this is more embarrassing than the parking meter deal. The parking meter deal was a huge transaction in which the city of Chicago agreed to sell an asset worth $10 billion for $1 billion. What was it, Dave? You were around five days of deliberation. If that, nobody read any of the documentation, or nobody, very few people did. Richard Mel bragged about it, okay? Former 33rd Ward Alderman. The former third, thank you for saying that. <laughs> former 33rd Ward Alderman Richard Mel said, nobody reads any of this stuff anyway. And so that's just one of the deals uh, that uh, that are far more embarrassing than this. Now, Dave Glowitz and I have dutifully covered the last four years of city council meetings. Uh, we deserve an award for the great job we've done covering <laughs> the Chicago City Council. But I don't think they're going to give us an award for that. Because lefties like us don't win awards. That's okay. We're we don't finalists. need the awards. <laughs> We're a finalist. Oh, Chicago doesn't give awards to lefties. You're going to learn that. But let me just say this. Anthony Beal deserves credit, in my humble opinion, for his last four years of standing up for council independence to Lori Lightfoot. But I feel compelled every single time I say that to point out that before he started standing up to Lori Lightfoot, he was sitting down to Rom and Daly. So if you just want to catch up, I think it's four years good, 19 years bad. Help me out with the math, Dave. You went to Weber High. But, and but so, regardless, of, regardless of the arithmetic, don't you want to judge someone on what their current behavior is? <laughs> I don't know if it's that easy. Okay, let's say if tomorrow Donald Isn't it Trump... Isn't worth anything? Well, let me just say this. What if tomorrow Donald Trump... Uh, I don't, I don't know what your position is on Donald Trump since the new Dave Glowatz won't reveal anything about his political leanings. But let's say if Donald Trump suddenly tomorrow said, you know what? I was wrong to storm, uh, to send my, um, my supporters to storm the White House. I was wrong to call the Secretary of State of Georgia uh, and tell him uh, to uh, find the votes to uh, elect me, not Joe Biden. I was wrong uh, to assault E. Jean Carroll. I was wrong uh, to pay hush money uh, to Stormy Daniels, et cetera, and so forth and to so make, on. To make your analogy complete. Would you or, then or say, would you then say, analogy, wait, let me just finish complete. by the analogy. I haven't even finished okay. it yet. God, you're like Mayor Daly turning off my microphone. <laughs> I can't turn off your. I could ask Chris. So, to turn off your would you 
than say, you know, I am just, I'm so happy you changed your ways. If you do this for four years, I'm going to forget everything you did. I That's don't think you would I do that. That's the point I was going to make. If if someone said that one one day, that's you can't judge them on one day. But they do, do it. They maintain that same position for four years. Then they got something to work with. I think. Now here's here's the difference. He has four years uh, of standing up to Lori Lightfoot. And let's give a shout out to Raylo. I don't know why Raymond Lopez never gets any credit for all the coverage of this uh, the council debate. They're like. The one lone voice standing up to Lori Lightfoot with Anthony. I mean, what about Raylo? And by the way, Jeanette Taylor was so right not, there with. You're not reading right the Tribune enough. Him. You're not reading the Tribune enough, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I, the Tribune, yeah, but do, I do read the Tribune. Uh, but uh, so you I got to give part. credit to, to, to Jeanette Taylor. Yeah, I missed that part uh, where they gave credit to Raylo. I got to give credit to Jeanette Taylor and Raylo too because they stood up as well. But I do give Anthony Beal credit, but I think it's important to point out that for when uh, Daly and Rahm were in, uh, he was doing absolutely everything that he's accusing the others are. And so you at least have to have a sense of context, uh, in my humble opinion. Okay, so when you made when that you're point. Gonna deliver a, when you're going to say this is the most embarrassing moment in the history of the Chicago City Council, knowing full well what has gone down in the Chicago City Council for the last 23, knowing full well that the Chicago City Council wrote a blank check to the International Olympic Committee to be filled in whenever they re whenever they had to, to cover the cost of the Olympics without any oversight, without any scrutiny, without any notion of what impact it would have on taxpayer. Another example, that, how is that a greater embarrassment then the city council deciding they're going to divide up the spoils for themselves as opposed to have the incoming mayor do it for them. How? How is that? Come on. How could any rational human being say a blank check for the Olympics is not more embarrassing? Without debate. Without debate. It's not more embarrassing than this. Go. Let's stipulate that Beal was using hyperbole. And let's move on to the other, <laughs> the other sort of prominent argument that we heard is that to exclude the incoming alderman was unfair okay. and undemocratic. What do we do? What do you okay. think about that? Uh, here's what I say about that. I totally uh, agree with that point. Absolutely. Totally agree. But I find it again. I know, I know, I know you're very lenient. I know any, by the way, defendant facing uh, a sentencing can only hope they have a judge as lenient as Judge Dave Glowatz is with these aldermen. Because I just want to point out to you, one of the guys making that argument was Brian Hopkins, alderman of the second ward. Who really and was actually, exercising his oration skills in that one, I think. Yes, and I would like to say, that as hypocritical as uh, Anthony Beal may have been in his remarks, Hopkins tripled it. <laughs> because as you know, it was just four years ago that incoming aldermen like Byron Sixual Lopez were begging the outgoing alderman and the outgoing mayor, Mayor Rahm, not to vote on Lincoln Yards, not to vote on 78, making the argument that it is the incoming council that will have to deal with the consequences of setting aside billions of dollars for these upscale projects. Furthermore, the 78 is in the ward. 
that Byron Sixto Lopez was the going to be the alderman of. And there was no sitting alderman because the previous alderman, Danny Solis, had gone so and had a witness, witness protection program. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like essentially, symbolically at very least, Byron Sixto Lopez was the alderman. And the argument that one Dave Gloads made in one of our earliest uh, debates on this subject is that existentially speaking, Byron Sixto Lopez was not yet the alderman of that ward. I think so statutorily is probably what I said. <laughs> I think existentially. a little too philosophical for that. Yes. <laughs> for Chicago, you're right. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? Okay. There is no alderman except for Byron Sixto Lopez, the alderman elect. So doesn't he get it? And the attitude is no. It's the, going to be the decision of the alderman who sit right there now. And for four years, the, these aldermen have been dealing with the budgetary consequences of turning off access to this property, this exceedingly valuable property from the taxing bodies. So everybody else's taxes go up to pay for it. Uh, that's a decision that Patrick O'Connor and the other outgoing aldermen made, even though Byron Sixto Lopez, Jeanette Taylor, and the other incoming aldermen had to make. And it was in Brian Hopkins' ward, and he was arguing vociferously for it. So once again, you had an alderman saying A on one day, and now he's saying B on the other. Okay, and so I your point is that, by... your point, you, let, let me interrupt you, please. So your point is that that these two aldermen, your point is that these two aldermen are showing hypocrisy. Let's put that aside for a minute. Let's put that aside. And what about just the, the pure and simple argument that this vote should have been delayed until the new aldermen were seated? I believe the vote should have been delayed in a perfect world. I be, If you don't have principles, and here's the larger point, you could dismiss it as just mere hypocrisy, but this is like the problem with dealing with MAGA right now. If you're dealing with people who have no principles, who change their stance from day to day, then you really can't, you can't deal honestly with problems in any way. And I, you will have to at least you have to at least, in my humble opinion, acknowledge that you're taking a different stand today than the one you took today. It just, I say this all the time, and it's true. If you wonder why 35% of the people vote and 65 don't, part of it is that we have elections in February uh, and uh, April. But the other part of it is, is that nothing's real in Chicago. And when I was listening to those uh, aldermen orate, I was laughing. Because if you just gone back four years, they would be saying the exact opposite things with every bit as much energy and passion. The only one I really, uh, I believe, is uh, JT, Jeanette Taylor. So if that, she had been the only one I played against this, what would your opinion be? I say, JT, I respect you because the people that you're standing up for on the principle are people who have never supported you on any initiative uh, that you push for. Jeanette Taylor is a powerful voice for transforming Chicago, the way Chicago spends its money, spending more money to fight poverty as opposed to spending money to promote uh, developments in upscale parts of the town. She wants to change that. To me, that's the fundamental inequity in the city of Chicago right now. And that's the, been the fundamental inequity in the city of Chicago since the 90s. And that's a fundamental inequity that Anthony Beal, Brian Hopkins have never, ever 
remotely attempted to address. JT has attempted to address that in her four years. So I give her credit. Like she's standing up for people who stand against the things she believes in. So I would give her credit because she's a woman of principle. But the rest of those guys, come on, what a joke. Well, we should hear what the other side has to say. But before we do, I want to give you an anecdote from this part of the meeting. Uh, after speaking against the scheme, uh, Alderman, so we heard Alderman Spazzato speaking against the scheme, the new committee scheme. Uh, the next person to speak after him, whom I didn't play, was 10th Ward Alderman Sue Sadlowski Garza. As Garza began speaking, 42nd Ward Alderman Brendan Riley, who sits three chairs to Spazzato's left, walked over to, to Spazzato and stuck his finger in Spazzato's face and apparently was taking issue vocally with Spazzato's uh, position. Other aldermen quickly came in and pulled Riley away, which led Spazzato to shout at Riley, that's bullshit, I'm going to call bullshit. And he kept yelling until the mayor finally called for order and the shouting stopped and then Garza made her remarks. It was a remarkable city council moment. And mind you, you know, Spazzato could not stand up to Riley because he's in a wheelchair. So it's uh, rather dramatic. Just a uh, little bit of city council drama. Chris, please, we'll do chamber next. We'll now hear Alderman speaking in favor of the new committee scheme. This piece starts with someone who we rarely hear at council meetings, 13th Ward Alderman Marty Quinn, who is one of two aldermen who don't have a Twitter account. Let's listen. Without the collaboration of most of our colleagues, this could not have happened. We came together as a council in a way we haven't seen in a long time. We came up with a fair and equitable plan that could create the most diverse council leadership and structure in Chicago history. Ask yourself this, if this isn't the right time, then when? When a new mayor enters this building, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be too late. And we all know that. We will have missed our chance. Whoever the new mayor is will have their own competing ordinance to challenge this within the next six weeks. Chairman Wagesback. We're fixing a lot of different things with these rules. As a lot of you know, the rules went out and we asked for input several times over the last few weeks. We asked for input on the process several times over the last few weeks. Now, some people have argued there are too many committees, but it's not out of the ordinary. If you look at New York City, they have 51 members and 38 committees. We held briefings. We took input from everyone willing to sit down and discuss it. You had to be willing to show up and actually discuss this process. You couldn't sit on the sidelines and say, hey, I don't like it because I wasn't invited. Everybody was invited. Everybody was asked for input. To say otherwise is wrong. The input from our new members is valued as much as the input from members that exist today. They will be allowed on May 24th and before that to have input into their committee selections and look at these rules and understand them so that they walk in on May 24th, they're not handed a piece of paper by a particular mayor and told this is what you're gonna get. Alderwoman Haddon. The office of the mayor holds so much power I studied this in school. I wrote like a whole graduate paper on, on corruption in Illinois and Chicago government and the dynamics of a city council that has all the imbued authority on paper to do this, but for some reason never does it. To sit here for almost four years 
and watch people strive for independence and to have so many of my more senior colleagues not support it is challenging. There are some people who say they've been excluded. They haven't been excluded. Unfortunately, people have to agree with you in order for you to get what you want. And if you can't work with others to find some general agreement, you're not going to get what you want. I appreciate our friends from the League of Women Voters, from BGA, from my colleagues who feel like this isn't the right way. Most of what we do here is done in an imperfect way. We don't get to wait until we have the exact right conditions. Alderman Ramirez Rosa. I want to thank Chairwoman Michelle Harris, Chairman Scott Wagaspeck, Chairwoman Pat Dowell, Chairman Jason Irvin, Chairman Gil Villegas for having the courage to say maybe we can figure this out on our own. And at first I had serious questions and concerns. I had concerns about the process. And I got together with 11 of my returning colleagues and we sent a letter that said, if we're gonna do this, we suggest a working group of older people that represent the major caucuses of the city council, the black caucus, the Latino caucus, the progressive caucus, that reflects the ideology and the diversity of the city council regionally, racially. And we got together as that group, five Vallis supporters, five Brandon supporters, and we sat down and we had a conversation. This proposal here today, while it is not perfect, is the most diverse council leadership structure in the history of this city. I know there's some people that don't want that. It seems like based upon some of the folks that have been speaking up today, perhaps there's a mayoral candidate who says he supports independence, but wants it to be the way that it's always been. And I wanna make something clear because I know there are some questions. This still has to be voted on after May 15th. By law, this vote today is in essence symbolic. On May 15th, the council that is seated, whoever wins the runoffs, they will have to vote on this again. And that is when the real vote will happen. And I'm really proud that this proposal does not include any committee membership lists. Why is that important? Well, I don't think anyone here thinks that a freshman is going to be a chairman. So I think it's appropriate for us as returning members to decide our committee chairmanships today. But if we had voted on committee membership makeup, then the people that are currently here would choose the best committee for themselves. And the only thing that would be left to the freshmen would be the committees that nobody else wanted that was returning. And one last thing on the number of committees. There have been so many times when I have approached the chair and said, hey, I'd like a hearing on this matter. And they say, I'm so sorry, I can't accommodate you for three months, four months, five months, six months, because I've got so many issues in the pipeline. And so when you have a limited number of committees, things get bottlenecked. <laughs> Two things. Uh, you heard someone mention the better uh, BGA, Better Government Association, and the League of Women Voters. The reason that's relevant is because both groups came out against this plan being voted on at this particular time. So that's an interesting side note. And the, the other thing is there seems to be, this is what, what I'm curious about, there seems to be a fundamental difference in perception of reality between the aldermen who are for this and the aldermen who are against this with respect to whether everyone was included. We heard the people speaking against it saying that people were excluded and not, uh, not asked. Uh, you, you heard Alderman Moore, for example, say it was undemocratic and not transparent. So it's very interesting to me to, um, without knowing, you know, being able to look inside the black box, 
where that's coming from. And my first guess, let's see what you think of this, Ben, is that the working group or those who organized this effort were relying on the caucuses to uh, include their members, to bring in their members. And the caucuses are not all, not all members of caucuses, like say the 20 members of the Black Caucus, are not all equal in the eyes of say the caucus leadership. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and that's exactly uh, how it went down, as I understand it. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa uh, was on the show last week with Rosanna Rodriguez, and he explained a little bit about what th- what went down. And you heard that uh, in his uh, remarks. Uh, Jason Irvin is the uh, head of the um, Black Caucus, so he made a real point of, of, of giving him a shout-out. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. This, listen, everything in Chicago, I thought Maria Haddon's remarks were really uh, on point. And everything that happens in the Chicago City Council is going to be the result of horse trading, wheeling and dealing, uh, aldermen and alderwomen looking out for uh, their best interests. Uh, that's just a reality. Uh, that's life in a, in a democratic arena. Uh, so there's always going to be some smiling, wry smiling. Uh, we will always take delight in like <laughs> how someone does something that benefits themselves and then they turn it into like a larger win for society uh, as a whole. And uh, so that was on display here. Uh, but when she said, Maria hadn't said, what did she said? Uh, most of what we do uh, is imperfect. Something like that. I can't even read my own writing. I'm, I'm doing my best to paraphrase. Then uh, Maria hadn't, but most of what we do is imperfect, and it is so true. Uh, so you have to ask yourself: uh, Is the um, the overall goal worthwhile? So in this case, the the aldermen are attempting to um, establish some independence from the incoming mayor by selecting their own committee chairs. And uh, so the committee chair is a very important position. As we've said many times, they get a little patronage. They get to hire a staff uh, and they get to schedule meetings. Uh, they, they can put um, items on an agenda. So it opens up the city to discussion on things that generally may not get discussed. So it's really important, I believe, Dave, from just a fundamental good government democracy point of view. And this is why the League of Women Voters and the BGA are for it. Uh, that the council do its own reorganizing. On the other hand, they were against it, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're they were against it because of the what we talked about earlier. It's if you're going to do this, you should do this when you have a full council of all the members who will be uh, representing their constituents during this uh, term. So, well, what do you think about the point? It's imperfect. What do you think about the point that Alderman Quinn made that? it was tactical to do it before the new mayor is elected. Oh, okay, that is, thank you for reminding me of that. I, I made a note to talk about that. Uh, just Alderman Quinn, Marty Quinn, uh, represents the 13th Ward. Uh, and as Dave said, he uh, very rarely says anything. And yet, he is truly one of the most influential aldermen over the last few years anyway, when it comes to politics in Illinois, because he was Michael Joseph Madigan's right-hand man. His d- 
day job is alderman, but his second job for years was a political strategist or operative for Michael Madigan. He has worked in so many legislative campaigns. It's so bizarre because in the city council, he hardly says a word. I think the general rule of thumb that Madigan had for 13th Ward Alderman is do whatever the mayor wants. And I'm exchanging that in exchange. The mayor will let me do whatever I want in Springfield. And so uh, there's a tradition of silence from 13th Ward Alderman uh, uh, like Marty Quinn. I didn't realize until, uh, God, we're relatively late in the game. I admit I had a, I wrote a column about this, uh, that he was such an influential operative. I think I became aware of it when he ran Juliana Stratton's campaign against Ken Duncan for in that really highly contested seat. State rep. State rep seat that uh, occurred. Uh, when Ken Duncan uh, broke from the Dems and sided with Rauner in a couple key votes. And I was stunned. Wait a minute. Marty Quinn is running? <laughs> the guy who doesn't first, tweet? What's that? The guy who doesn't The tweet? guy who doesn't tweet, who never talks? That guy? And go, oh, yeah, Betty's the player. And I looked it up, and oh, my God. <laughs> it was hidden in plain sight for me. Like, what, what, do you think about the, what do you think about this argument that it's, so, the timing was critical, that the vote had to be taken before the mayor was elected because that that positions the city council not to have it contested? Yeah. And so Marty Quinn knows about powerful legis powerful uh, operators. He worked for one, Michael Madigan. He knows how the game was played. So, for instance, uh, it was a very real po possibility with Paul Vallis. Uh, that Paul Vallis was just going to co completely want to change uh, this operation. The guy who's most vulnerable at the moment, in my opinion, is Scott Wagesback, finance chair, because the finance committee, as you know, as we talk about all the time, is the committee through which all contracts and budgets and TIF deals go through. And so any mayor is going to want a really close ally that he could depend on in that position. And I can't imagine that Paul Vallis would have put up with Scott Wagesback as finance chair. So what Marty Quinn is saying is very much true, that if you're going to make the move, now is the time to move it because there was no powerful mayor to block it. Clearly, Lori Lightfoot was just getting tremendous delight and suddenly at the end of her time in office, allowing to have an independent uh, uh, council. It was her way of saying to Vallis and Brandon Johnson, who had said there they support independent council, oh, you want like, an independent council? Oh, I'll give you Scotty Waggis back as your finance chair. What do you think of that, huh? <laughs> so, uh, so he's absolutely correct when he said that, and I think we'll see the proof, Dave, uh, in in May. And uh, you know, Carlos made it clear when he was on the show last week that he expects, he anticipates there could be some changes uh, that uh, uh, Brandon Johnson may want to make some changes. Which ones? I don't know. There's a lot of politicking going on, as you could just, as you can well imagine, behind the scenes right now. Phone calls going back and forth, you know. I hear, <laughs> I hear, I hear you're calling Brandon Johnson. <laughs> Hold on right now. Even, Wait, even oh you. Yeah. Hold on. Hey, Brandon, I'm in the middle of a show <laughs> with Dave. Okay, can you just stop calling me all the time for assistance? Sorry, I'll call, call him back after, uh, after you're done. <laughs> I'm trying to get Brandon Johnson to come to the promontory with Maya myself. A lot of wheeling and dealing on that one, Dave. So uh, there's another key point here that I, I just want to make before we close it out, and it has to do with what we were just talking about, um, what changes possibly will come. There is, in the current budget, money only for the existing 19 committees. So there isn't, you know, and what does that really mean? Well, I happen to have here 
my <laughs> trusty 2023 city uh, city of Chicago budget. If we just open it up to the budget for the city committees, council committees, let's just pick some at random here. So for a typical committee, I'll look at the Committee on License and Consumer Protection has a budget of $203,000, $155,000 of which is for staff. Committee on Public Safety, $231,000 of which 228,000 is for staff. So even though the council, my point is even though the council passed these committees in its rules, there ain't no money for them unless the council then, sometime soon, passes an amendment to the budget. And Wagaspec uh, has said that he estimates it'll cost another million dollars to fund the additional committees. Where that comes from, uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm sure there's some TIF fund they'll uh, just uh, declare a surplus. Ah, uh, the care slush. Of yeah, yeah, there's the plenty slush. of slush. There's around. plenty of slush, ladies and gentlemen. Money will not be a problem. Let me just say this, okay? One more time. This was a city council that gave a blank check to the International Olympic Committee. It would, you know how many billions of dollars that would have been if we had gotten it? So money's not a million dollars here, a million dollars there. Um, Who was it, Proxmire? Yeah. Uh, no, no, Dirksen. No, Dirksen. Everett Dirksen. A billion dollars here, a billion dollars there, and soon you're talking real money. Real money. Yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, it's only a million later. What's a million dollars? Huh? It's not what it used to be. Uh, so, well, Ben, yeah. that's all I've got. Listeners, Ben and I had a longer discussion on a couple other items not covered here. If you'd like to hear that, please go to the extended version of this interview found at the Inside Chicago Government website, chigov.com. When you're there, go to the Chicago menu and choose City Council. Ben, thanks to you and thanks to Chris. All right. Thank you, uh, Dave Glowitz. And yes, indeed. Thank you, producer Chris. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader